out there in podcast land. You're set to dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 118. Holy smokes. Well, I don't bury the lead as I used to do. <laughs> Our guest going 10 rounds with Rhino is 17-3. and three. I mean, he's a veteran of the UFC. He's a veteran of the PFL. He is currently a Bellator featherweight contender. Jeremy JBC Kennedy goes an awesome 10 rounds of Rhino a little bit later on. So our intro and schedule is as follows. This week's show is going to have our full coverage and breakdown of UFC Fight Night London. Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Our main card picks for next weekend's Fight Night Columbus. Some fantastic Q&A with the Rhino gang. And then the aforementioned Jeremy JBC Kennedy is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds of Rhino. So without further ado... Drea, let's get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So, UFC London last night, holy shit, what a show that was. 12 fights, nine of which ended up in finishes. Unbelievable card. We're all over the moon about it. I I can't tell you how much energy it felt like um, that was coming out of the arena there. What a card. Let's go ahead and break some of it down. So, our first fight was at 125 pounds. We had Cody Durden versus Mohamed uh, Mokayev, this one was quick. <laughs> there was a nice flying knee from Mohammed that really hurt Cody. Uh, Mohammed slapped on a um, slapped on a, a guillotine. As soon as like Cody got the choke put on him, he kind of slammed Mohammed, but he didn't matter. He held on, got the submission in the first round early for um, Mohammed Mokayev over Cody Durden. Our second fight which I have to go back and forth on my notes because Tapology likes to give them in one order early and then change them up later. So our next fight was Corey McKenna versus Elise Reed. Um, this one was Corey McKenna really on her bike for the majority of the fight, kind of trying to stick and move. Elise Reed was hitting her much harder and doing more damage, um, especially with that right hand, right? She was landing that overhand right and that straight right quite a bit against Corey. Corey was tough. She got a couple of late takedowns in the first couple of rounds and then had some good top control in the third. The split decision ended up going to Elise Reed, which I could see it was a very close fight. Um, yeah, Corey McKenna, uh, needs to be more aggressive moving forward. She has a great skill set. She trains with a tough team over there at uh, Alpha Male. Uh, she just needs to be more aggressive. She's got a good skill set. So look forward to seeing what's up for both of them moving forward at 115 pounds. Our third fight of the evening is, was Timur Valuev versus Jack Shore. Now, I thought this one was going to end a little bit faster than it did. It, it did not. It was an exciting fight. Lots of good exchanging of, of leg kicks. Valiev got a couple of nice takedowns. Jack Shore was able to get up from them. A lot of fun scrambles. Some good body work from Valiev um, with the kicks and the punches. Jack Shore had a beautiful couple of one-twos. One of them that dropped uh, Timor really cleanly, and then another one that really rocked him. It, it was a really good, fun, exciting, close fight. Jack Shore ended up getting the unanimous decision in that one at 135 pounds. Really fun fight. Moving into our next one, we had Paul Craig. <laughs> I don't, was that even the next fight? I don't even know. This might be out of order, but the next one I have written down was was Paul Craig versus Nikita Krylov. Um, dude, this one was a typical Paul Craig fight, bro. Uh, Nikita Krylov started <laughs> beating the shit out of him early, uh, knocked him down, hurt him a couple times, was really laying some beautiful ground and pound, and then in a split second, Paul Craig throws up the fucking triangle, gets him in it, and submits him. It's just, <laughs> there is something about Paul Craig and his ability to finish fights after he gets hurt that is unparalleled and incredible. So, big ups to him on that one. <clears throat> Moving into 265, we have Sergei Pavlovich versus Shamil Abdurakhmanov. 
uh, Sergey looked incredible out there. He looked more shredded than ever. Um, he was moving really light on his feet for being such a big guy versus Shamil. There was lots of punches thrown early from both guys, but nothing was really landing. And then a huge right shovel punch dropped Shamil. Sergey jumped on, got some ground and pound for the finish. TKO in the first round for Sergey Pavlovich over Shamil Abdurakimov. All right, let's go ahead and find our sixth fight, which would have been Makwan Amir Khani versus Mike Grundy. Man, Dre, are they really like it's one of those deals where I didn't know anything. I don't think any of us did about Mike Grundy and his personal situation. So while I was thinking that I'd picked Makwan to win, as soon as we heard the story about uh, Mike Grundy and his dad, you, then you like get this automatic emotional attachment to him. And I'm like, come on, Mike, you can do it. You know what I mean? He really like changed the narrative completely for me. But unfortunately, it didn't matter. As soon as the as soon as the fight started, uh, Makwan got pulled into. Uh, pulled Mike down into a choke attempt. He readjusted it and then choked out Mike. I, some people were calling it a dart. Some people were calling it an anaconda. Either way, it was a choke in the first round. Submission in the first for Makwan Amir Khani versus Mike Grundy. Honestly, from all of us to him, I know you probably won't hear this, but we wish you and your family nothing but the best, Mike. But you please come back, dude. The, yeah, for real. So let's go ahead and get into our seventh fight, which I believe was Ilya Topuria versus Jai Herbert. This one was... Jai Herbert really using his range early. Those really like an eight inch reach advantage. I think they said good grief. Um, beautiful, long, you know, jabs, long twos, good leg kicks, nice straight couple kicks to the body. Ilya Tapuria got really hurt a couple times from some punches. Nice, huge combo. And then in the second round early, Ilya Tapuria was like, I'm not fucking dealing with this anymore. And he <laughs> racked Jai Hebert so bad that he went not only down, but completely out. Beautiful right hand for the finish. I, I mean, it was and any other night, Drea. This probably would have been a Drea's drop of the night. But I don't think it's what got the title, but we'll find that out a little bit later. So big win, KO in the second for Ilya Topuria over Jai Hebert. And then Ilya called out Patty the Batty. They had, they had beef at the hotel. They had beef for a while. We'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. I don't know. So let's move into Luana Carolina versus Meatball Molly McCann. Meatball Molly came out like a fucking house on fire, dude. She was throwing everything <laughs> but the kitchen sink. And Luana, I mean, it was a lot of hooks, right? Because she was giving up quite a quite a reach disadvantage to Luana Carolina. But Molly was just mm -hmm. throwing hooks, 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 moving forward. Uh, landing a lot. It didn't really seem to hurt Carolina, uh, Luana Carolina too much. And then in the second round, uh, Molly got a nice takedown, had some good top control. Luana had a couple of moments, you know, with some straight shots, but it was all Molly in the second. And then in the third, Luana Carolina started getting a little bit more momentum. She was starting to land that left shot more. She was starting to get a little bit of confidence gained. And then Molly McCann throws a spinning back elbow that landed on Luana Carolina's face and completely shut the lights off. I mean, her eyes were open, but there was nobody home, Drea. So <laughs> Molly McCann with an incredible walk-off KO in the third round over Luana Carolina at 125 pounds. Wow, that was an incredible fucking finish. <laughs> All right, let's get into our ninth fight. Oh, yeah, which would have been Patty Pimlet versus Rodrigo Vargas. <clears throat> Vargas came out early, but he landed up right on top. He hurt Patty with his first the first punch, really. He seemed to stagger Patty. Vargas rounded up on top. Uh, Patty got up real quick. That's some clinch work. And then Patty had a beautiful judo throw, which took Vargas down to his back. Patty slapped on the RNC, got the submission in the first round. So Patty Pimblett, another win against well, you know against another opponent, which nobody really ever knew much about. 
and we were making choke <laughs> in the first for Patty Pimblet. So again, the crowd went crazy. They loved it. It was a you know, so that was that at 155 pounds. Moving into the co-main event, we had Arnold Allen versus Dan Hooker. I thought no matter what happened, Dre, we talked about it last week. I thought no matter what, this was going to be a very close fight and a long, drawn-out fight and a fight that Arnold Allen was going to have to face some adversity. It, it didn't happen that it way. It didn't go that way. <laughs> like, no. Like, Arnold Allen was landing huge punches early. He had a really nice head kick, which really seemed to stun Dan Hooker. Um, he crept, kept coming forward as Dan was retreating, landing more and more shots on the end of his punches, put Dan up against the cage, landed some beautiful inside elbows. I mean, Arnold Allen put it on Dan Hooker, who city kickboxing, Israel Adesanya training partner. Guys fought everybody. I mean, this is a really good fighter. I don't know if the move down to 145 was the right call at all, but... Either way, Arnold Allen, what a performance. Got the TKO in the first round over Dan Hangman Hooker. Incredible, incredible win for Arnold Allen. We got a question about him a little bit later in the uh, Rhino Gang uh, Q&A for him. So, man, big win for him. So let's get into our main event, which was in the 265-pound division. We had Tom Aspinall versus Alexander Volkov. What a fun fight. It just, I, I wanted a little bit more, Dre. It left me like so wanting a little bit more. So yeah. early there was like a one, two, three combo from Tom Aspinall. All three punches landed on Alex. Tom had a big takedown. He landed some elbows in the GMP. Volk, to his credit, got back up, which is hard to do, I'm sure, if you're 6'7", 200 mm -hmm. pounds, walking around at 275. Did get back up. Tom Aspinall, you know, regrouped, kept his wits about him. Landed another couple of nice shots, and then a beautiful time takedown. And then from that takedown, landed a little bit of GMP to set up a fucking arm lock, which you don't see very often, right? But uh -huh. a straight arm lock on Alexander Volkov. Tapped him very quickly once he had it pulled out and away from the body. So submission in the first round for Tom Aspinall over the very crafty veteran Alexander Volkov. What an incredible night, Drea. What an incredible 12 fights, even the couple fights that were like, man, we're like still pretty good. <laughs> so, right. It's just, it's one of those nights that you look back at, and you're like, that was fucking incredible. The crowd, the energy, the submissions, the knockouts, the finishes, everything was incredible. I loved it. Do you have any like thoughts on last night's card? I, the only thoughts really that I have were from beginning to end. I, I mean, I felt like that undercard could have been the main card i mean it just started off so good and not to mention when it very when it, at the very beginning when it first started and you look at the crowd that place was full from beginning to end and that's one of the things that really kills me um you know with the the fights in the u.s and in vegas that the arenas will be like empty until the main card starts and then all of a sudden everyone shows up and i just really loved seeing you know the arena full from beginning from the beginning that's a great point and what a fucking cool what a cool shout out to the uh uk fans for filling that place up from the very beginning so big shout out to you guys all right Dre, let's get into your world famous Dreya's drop of the night well this one was tough because there were uh you know some really good finishes last night but as we all know how much i love elbows and spinning shit i had to go with uh <laughs> meatball molly mccann uh she came into that first round like a ball of fire you know like you mentioned she was just throwing everything out at her um i'm surprised she didn't take her out sooner but it did make it to the third round and she she definitely um 
finished her, she threw that spinning elbow and I mean, it just put her out, out lights out eyes were still open, but she was out. I mean, we saw the pictures and, and video of her, you know, laying there with her eyes open and it was actually pretty scary, uh, looking, but, uh, by all means, congrats to Meatball Molly McCann. You get my Dreya's drop of the night. And what a drop it was. Holy shit. That's going to be on the uh, highlight reel for many, many years to come. All right, Dreya. So we got to keep this ball rolling. We've got UFC Fight Night Columbus coming back to the Midwest for the first time in several years. The first card, I'm sorry, the first fight on the main card we got picks for is Alexi Olenek, the, I believe, the oldest fighter on the UFC roster, versus Ayer Latifi. I've got Alexi Olenek beating Ayer Latifi by second round with his very famous Anaconda choke. I've got, or I'm sorry, Ezekiel. I got Ezekiel, Ezekiel choke, second round <laughs> for Alexi. What about you? Um, I, as well, went with Alexi Olenek. Olenek, um, but I'm doing a third round submission win for Olenek. Oh, okay. Moving into the violence fight of the night, we got Brian Barberina versus Matt the Immortal Brown. I think this one's going to go all three. I've got a very close unanimous decision, easy for me to say, for Brian Bam Bam Barberino, Rhino Gang 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 over Matt the Immortal Brown. What about you? I am with you on that. I have the unanimous decision for Barberina. Moving to 125 pounds, I've got Askar Askarov beating the very talented Kai Kara Franz by, again, very close UD in that one. What about you? <laughs> Same exact pick. I have the unanimous decision for uh, Askarov. All right. Staying at 125 pounds and moving over to the ladies, we've got I've got Alexa Grasso beating Joanne Wood by uh, late third round TKO. TKO in the third for Alexa Grasso. Over Joanne Wood. What about you? Um, I am also going with Alexa Grasso, but I think it's going to go the whole fight, and I am giving her the unanimous decision. All righty. Then we got Curtis Razor Blades versus Chris Dalkis. I've got Curtis Razor Blades winning by ground and pound and TKO in the fourth round. The fourth round, Drea, TKO uh -huh. due to ground and pound for Curtis Razor Blades. What about you? This one was a tough one for me, and I know how Curtis likes to <coughs> get around and kind of keep you there um, and control the fight. But I, I think Dawkins is going to get him. I'm going third round TKO for Chris Dawkins. Dawkins is a very um, talented stand-up fighter, and you know that mm -hmm. absolutely could happen. But uh, you know, so that's definitely not one of those picks. I think I think some people listening will be like, what? But if you really look at how talented of a fighter Chris Dawkins is, you'll you'll be like, okay, I can kind of see it. Yeah. So, those are our picks for next week's main card from UFC Fight Night Columbus. Let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. We got a big forum today, folks. So let's get into our first one. It comes from our homie, Mister B. Mister B, what do you got for us this week, dude? Do you think Paul Craig can make a serious run for the title? Without question, and a resounding yes, my dude. 205 is as wide open as it, as it has ever been. With John Jones leaving, it, it kind of created this, you know, this freedom for at least like the top 10 guys. Like, holy shit, I could actually get up there and win it. As much as I love Glover to share, especially the fact of having like a 42-year-old champ, which like I would have graduated high school with, which I love, 205 is right for the picking, bro. I could see Paul beating Jan Bohovic, um, and Kalaev, Rakic. Glover. Yuri is the one who I think is the most like difficult code to crack, right? 
Um, but if you think about, okay, your Prohaska is a devastating striker. We don't know how much, you know, improvement he's made off of his back over the years, so we don't see it. So Paul Craig's submission game is so spot on. With Yuri being such a kickboxing specialist, you're telling me that Paul Craig couldn't get hurt by a Yuri shot, go down, Yuri follows him, and then Paul subs him? Oh, yeah. I can 100% see that happening. So, yeah, I think Paul Craig definitely um, has a great shot at either getting to a championship contention or even possibly winning the belt in the next year or two. No doubt in my mind. So, Mr. B, thank you very much. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in on that, dude. So, <laughs> thank you, sir. All right, let's go ahead and get to our next one. It comes from our homie, the Rage of Sweet Potato. RSP, what do you got this week? If you could travel back in time and attend the very first UFC in person or travel forward in time and attend the very last UFC in person, which would you choose and why? So I would want to go to UFC one because I'm not even sure if there will be a last UFC, my dude. I think it may go on in some form or another, like forever. Um, plus, I, I mean, I think most of you know, I'm a total sucker for history and nostalgia. I would love to be able to go back and see UFC one. I want to see how everything started, of course, but I also kind of want to see how the production came about, like how they built the cage, uh, you know, how they did. Did they even do fighter interviews beforehand? Like, I want to know all the backstage stuff. I want to hear about all of the things that went into the production and the match matchmaking of the fighters. I, I don't know, man. I would just love to be there for the genesis of the entirety of this sport that has evolved in this thing that we love so much. So, yeah, for me, it's 100 percent UFC one. Oh, my gosh, I would love to have been there. So thank you very much, RSP. Great question, as always. All right, let's get into our girl, Ashley, from the Silly Little Pod. Ashley, what do you got this week, dear? Who do you think is the biggest breakout British star from this card? Say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I choose to not try to say that five times fast. Thank you very much. <laughs> so this one was tough because, you know, of course, you've got Arnold Allen and you've got Tom Aspinall. Those are the two that... I really debated back and forth on. I'm going to go with Arnold Allen. Um, I think Arnold had the more impressive win because of Dan Hooker's resume and because of his skill set, him moving down to 145 from 155. So he's huge for the division. I think 145 has a ton of extremely talented fighters, especially the top end. You look at that first, you know, six, seven guys at 145, the top end, shark tank, dude, just shark tank of incredible fucking fighters. However, if you look at them, the vast majority of them are getting a little bit long in the tooth. And as we know, the lower weight classes usually don't have as extended a career as the upper weight classes do. So that's part A. B, the 145ers who are at the top of the division, they're all pretty shop-worn, dude. They've had a lot of fights. They're very experienced guys. Your body can only take so much. Arnold Allen is very young. He's very new in his career, and he is already at this level of skill set this early on without taking a ton of shots and a ton of damage. I think we're really looking at a possible 145-pound champion in the next two or three years. I mean, I really do. Arnold Allen is that guy. He's got that determination. He's got that grit. He's got the strength. He's got the size. He's got the speed. Everything you're looking for, uh, he doesn't seem to have any, like, real bad habits or out-of-the-cage bullshit to deal with. So, at least right now, you know. So, <laughs> Arnold Allen, I think he could be a champ soon. So, I think he was the breakout star for the British fighters from last night. So, that is my answer on that one. If you guys have already, of course, check out Ashley at the Silly Little Pod. It's just so fun, and we love her so much, and she's a great friend. So thank you very much, Ashley. Let's get into our homie, the Ty the Fly guy. Ty, what do you got this week, dude? Is Volkov becoming the heavyweight division's gatekeeper? 
So I know it kind of looks that way, right, buddy? And I think that you could make a case that he is. For me, I'm saying that he's not. I, I grant you, he's gone four and four in his last eight fights. But when you think about a gatekeeper, <clears throat> is is there anybody who hasn't gotten by him who you think if they had gotten by him would be like a contender? So the real uh, the people I'm going to bring up are Marcin Tybura, Alistair Overeem, Walt Harris, or Greg Hardy. If they would have got through Alistair, do you think they would have been title contenders or at some point? No, I don't think so, right? The, the guys that he has lost to, yeah, they're top talent guys, but I just, I, I, don't, I don't know, dude. I, when I think of that term gatekeeper, I think of you've got to get by him and then you're going to be a championship contender, right? Or at least very soon thereafter. And I don't think Tybura, the Reem, Walt Harris, or Greg Hardy, even if they had gotten by him, were ever going to, you know, contend for a title um, from that point on. So, Again, I know he's four and four in his last eight, but I think Alexander Volkov at any time could beat pretty much anybody except for maybe the top three or four. And I think he lose anybody in the top ten as well because <laughs> you just never know what you're going to get with the guy. I, I could see why one would call him a gatekeeper at the heavyweight division, but I'm not ready to give him that label just yet. And uh, I still think he's a very talented guy, and I still think he'll get some more wins before he hangs him up. So, Ty Fly Guy, thank you very much, my dude. Check him out on the Front Kicks and Throw Cuddles pod. Our homie Ty, the big Denver Bronco fan. All right, let's go into my homie, the Doc. Doc, what do you got this week, my dude? We had such an amazing card last night. There's probably no way next week's fight night in Columbus matches up. But what are a couple of fights that you've got circled as potential fun ones? Well, first things first, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think there's (laughs) any way next week's card, at least top to bottom, it's going to be able to match what we witnessed last night over there at the O2 Arena in London. However, there are a couple of fights on this card coming up that do jump off the page for me. First of all, Askar Askarov versus Kai Carfronts. This one has the potential to be just two pinballs in there, throwing mm-hmm. a million strikes, going 100 miles an hour, hurting each other maybe half dozen times, right? This one could be a really fun, extremely fast-paced, high-level fight at 125. But you know the one we're looking forward to the most. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Bam Bam Barbarina versus Matt the Immortal Brown. You want to talk about two guys, similar size, similar style, similar everything, who are just going to go in there and throw punches and elbows and knees. And when they get against the cage and it gets real gritty and dirty, there's going to be uppercuts and foot stomps and knees to the thigh and elbow shots and fucking, you know, Everything that's dirty and grimy about mixed martial arts, which I love, is We're probably going to go down between Matthew <laughs> and Matthew And I really like both guys. That's another thing. I've been a huge fan of Matt Brown for over a decade. I, Bam Bam and I have had him on the show, and he's a, he's a great guy, and he's a fantastic fighter. I think this one is going to be you know, our water cooler the next day, talk about mm-hmm. fight, and I can't wait for it. So, yes, Bam Bam Barbarina. Versus Matt the Immortal Brown. Holy shit, buckle up. I think it's going to be phenomenal. So, Doc, thank you so much. What a great question, my dude. All right, let's get into our last write-in, which comes from the homie, the Dean Dog, our motorcycle riding madman, and my Midwest brother. What do you got this week, dude? After another really good card last night, my questions are, does Patty deserve to be paid more money? And how fast should Tom Aspinall climb the rankings? I can see them rushing him instead of giving him time to develop his skills against the top guys in the division. So first part is, even though I'm not a Patty Pimlet fan, um, 
I think he does definitely deserves to be paid more. I think every fighter on the roster deserves to be paid more, specifically the prelim slash undercard fighters. I think they are grotesquely underpaid, and I would like to see them have some sort of minimum put in somewhere, like minimum $50,000 or minimum $70,000, whatever, whatever it could be. So, yes, even though Patty is a huge draw over in England – you know, you still got to pay your dues. That was only a second UFC fight. You still have to, you know, pay your dues and not be paid as much as like the top level guys. But again, across the board, I think people should be paid more in the UFC. And I, in particular, the undercard fighters without question. So that's part A. Part B, I'm actually all in on Tom Aspinall getting this push, dude. He, he's already the top 10. He just beat another top ranked guy. I'm ready for him. And I'll talk about this in, a, in another question coming up here shortly. I'm ready for him to go to the very top. I'm ready for him to go against the best of the best in heavyweight. I think his size, speed, and everything else about him lends him to being a top, top, top tier contender. I don't think he has to toil anymore with the mid top 20 guys. I think Tom is ready for the top five, dude. I really, really do. So those are my answers on that one, Dean Dog. I hope it's as beautiful there as it is here today. You get out on your bike, bro, and get a nice ride in. So thank you very much, my homie Dean Dog. All right, Drea. Our voice questions this week are really, really fun. Our first one comes from the homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got this week, my dude? What's up, Rhino? It's your boy, Juice. From the Friendly Sparring Podcast. How about my girl, Meatball fucking Molly? Sent that girl to the Shadow Realm, dude. Oh my god. And I hope she gets the fucking 100k for that. 100k bonus for that fucking knockout. It's the best of all time. Honestly. Can you think of a better knockout in WMMA? I mean, there's certainly like, you know, Holly's head kick KO over Ronda. You know, the stakes are higher. Change the course of fucking history, but style points, bruh. Name a better one. That's my question. Name a better one. But also, second part of my question: What would you like to see next for her? Because I, I like a fight with Joanne Wood, uh, but I I just looked and it looks like Joanne Wood is actually fighting this weekend against Alexa Grasso, and I and I thought to myself, the winner of that fight sounds good. Like regardless who wins. So what do you think? Get at me, bro. Yeah, you called it, buddy. Uh, Holly Holmes head kick for me. Is my is my favorite WMMA knockout of all time. Not just because I dislike <laughs> Ronda so very much, but at the time I was a big fan of Holly, and you know the the head kick is something that has always been uh, something spectacular to me. Coming from the boxing world where there is no kicking, the head kick is just something so different and so incredible, and I find it so hard to imagine doing right. So the head kick is always going to be a really high one for me. <clears throat> Molly's spinning back elbow was ultra impressive and definitely a top five all time, in my opinion. So if we're going to talk about what's next for Molly, who I would like to see, this one maybe throw you some of you for a loop, but I want to see Molly beat Ball McCann versus Jessica Evil Eye. Jessica Ooh. Eye is ranked number 12, right? She's ranked number 12 right now. She's coming off three losses in a row. Molly McCann is on a two-fight winning streak. Molly is ranked much lower than Jessica Eye, but... I think Molly can beat Jessica I. I think Molly McCann that we saw last night with that ultra aggression, with the, uh, the 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 nonstop moving forward, the Terminator style that she was, I think she could beat Jessica I. I think Molly would then take her ranking and then move even forward into that top ten. So yes, let's go Jessica Evil Eye versus Molly Meatball McCann sooner rather than later. Let's fucking have it. Dude, I would love to see that fight. So that, 
my friend, is the way for Molly to crack that elusive top 10 and let's make it fucking happen. So great question, Juice. If you haven't already, of course, check out Juice and Leo at the Friendly Sparring Pod. All right, let's go to our homie, the OG Jimisu. Jim, what do you got this week, dude? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Ryan on the Ryan again. Hope you all doing well. Uh, fuck, what a fight card, eh? Damn, that was fucking impressive. Definitely, I'd say probably top five fight nights that I can remember, honestly. Like, honestly. Pay-per-views are different, right? You know what I mean? But for a fight night, that's definitely top five to me. But, uh, fuck, man, I don't even know where to go. Um, Aspinall, you know, what do you think is next for him? I like the, the call-out, but... Ty just won. He ain't going to fight backwards. Sorry. You know what I mean? He already called out Steve. That's what he wants, and I understand that. So that's my question for you this week, man. Give the great work. We love the show. And you kids know it's always 420. Peace. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. What an incredible card. Nine out of 12 fights finished, dude. It was amazing. Um, the next for Big Tom Aspinall, bro. I think, and I'm with you, I love the, the tie call out, but I'm going to go with Cyril Gunn. I love the tie idea, like I said, but I also think tie versus Stipe is probably going to happen, and I think that's a great fight. So Tom and Cyril are the closest in MMA experience level. You look at their records, they're the closest of everybody in that top 10, right? You could do it in England again and blow the roof off the place, right? Dana did say they're going to go back soon. He said, I don't give a fuck what the schedule is. We're going to go back to England soon because it was such a great night. It was such great energy and they had such a great crowd, everything. So you, can you imagine Tom Aspinall versus Cyril Gaon, dude, as our main event of a big card? That would be an incredible fucking fight. Francis Ngannou, I never can mention his name without saying that he's my favorite fighter in the UFC, but Francis Ngannou literally yesterday or the day before just had knee surgery, so he's going to be out for a while. So let's absolutely go with Tom Aspinall versus Cyril Gaon in the next four or five months. Let's make it fucking happen. I would love to see it. The heavyweight division would love to see it. It is going to be a banger of a fight if they put it together. So, yes, I'm going Tom Aspinall versus Cyril Gaon. Jim, what a great question. Thank you so much, my dude. All right, let's go ahead into our next voice question, which comes from our homie Decrons. Decrons, what do you got for this week for us, dude? Hey, what's going on, Rhino? Man, that was a fucking fun card, eh? Oh, God, I really enjoyed that. Pumped as always to hear Drea's drop of the night. I know we've heard it already, but I was super excited about this one. Drea, don't worry about the cat. Chewie came out of hiding. And, um,. Oh yeah, I just super pumped about that card. It was it was so much fun. Uh Rhino, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on um Aspinall. He's starting to remind me of a young Frank Mir. He's looking really good. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on uh what his ceiling is, how far he's gonna go. And uh what do you think about the call out? Bam bam. Who do you think's gonna be doing the shoey after that one? Can't wait to listen to the show. Love y'all, Rhino Gang Gang Gang. Tom Aspinall is ready for top three right now. Like I just was saying in Jim's answer, I'd love to see Tom versus Ty. But the idea of Tom versus Cyril and Ty versus Stipe, and then the winners meet for maybe an interim 
right, while Francis is healing up, that's a fucking – I mean, come on, dude. This is as exciting a top of the heavyweight division as we've had in a really long time. So can you go with Tom versus Cyril Gaon and then Ty versus Stipe? And then the winner of those two fights fights for an interim title. And then a few months later, that interim title goes against Francis, who has the undisputed title, and then they go for – I mean, come on. The fucking story writes itself. It would be amazing. <laughs> it would be kind of like the old guard versus the new guard. I mean, I know Cyril's not old, but the kind of the older guard versus the new guard and then see, you know, what new blood is going to get in and then eventually lose to my man Francis because nobody beats Francis and Kay. And uh, <laughs> I just think it would be a, a fun injection of life and energy and excitement into the heavyweight division. So, yeah, I am all for that. So thank you very much, Dan. What a great question. All right, Drea. If we are going to, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with Jeremy J.B.C. Kennedy after a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang, we've got ourselves another fantastic guest this week. Going 10 rounds of Rhino. 17 and 3 Bellator featherweight Jeremy JBC Kennedy has joined us. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us tonight, sir. How's it going, man? I'm excited. Dude, to we be- are super stoked to have you on. We've been watching you for a long time. We know we got a big fight coming up. We're so glad to have you on, brother. Right on. Glad to be here. A- absolutely, dude. So uh the round round one with rounds with Rhino, 10 rounds with Rhino, I should say is the origin story. We love to hear the background story. Like, how'd you first get involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, my friend? Seriously, yeah. It's, uh, well, I I started in jiu-jitsu, actually, um, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the gi as a kid, just because uh, I always like to, like, rough house and wrestle with my brother. And growing up in my, my household, it was, like, wrestling, fighting, and was just part of life. And I was always the small one. You know, I had older brother who's, you know, 40 pounds and five inches bigger than me. (laughs) So I was always getting muscle around in my dad as well. So I just, I started learning how to, to submit them. You know, jiu-jitsu was pretty new. This was back in 2007. Um, So jiu-jitsu hadn't really been around, especially in in Vancouver, Canada, where I was. You know, there was like three jiu-jitsu gyms in all of BC. Um, So I was, I kind of got a little ahead of the curve. Um, and I was naturally good at it, man. I just, I just liked, I liked grappling. 
competing right away. I was in a, a jiu-jitsu tournament within two months of training, and it was adults, and I was a junior, and it was uh, I came third. So it was uh, instantly I was into the comp- competition. I like relying on me. I grew up in team sports, but yeah, I just like just the work I put in is the results I get, and it's all on me, and I don't have to rely on anybody else, and it's uh, beautiful violence, man. I love it. So I just slowly got transitioned into wrestling and boxing and then i'll put it all together because i really wanted to i started jiu-jitsu wanting to fight and i I had to wait a few years till i was old enough and then i had my first amateur fight at 16 and the rest is history man just been fighting ever since dude that's so badass i love that fuck i love the origin story god dang (laughs) Um, so coming up april 15th at bellator 277 you're gonna be taking on Aaron pico You've had a lot of camps in your, you know, in your uh, professional career. How has this camp been? Is there has there been any like drastic changes between your last camp and this camp preparing for this fight? Um, not a whole lot, you know. Like once you get word of a of an opponent, it's you do sp- specific stuff. But I'm not going to be a changed fighter from December to now. You know, like four months ago, three months ago from the time the fight my last fight to this fight and i don't see too much changing in his game either i mean over a course of time yeah you you develop as a fighter but within two or three months we're just getting in shape and i just prime my body to be absolute best physical shape i can best cardio because the opponent you know i i I'm not taking him lightly in the slightest you know i know he's a guy that comes in good shape he's a good boxer he's a good wrestler so i know i have to be on my Abe game in every aspect, you know, and, uh, making sure my weight's good. So I have a smooth cut. Um, I just, I know, I know the type of athlete he is. So if I'm tired and I'm, and I'm trying to, t- you know, thinking about a shortcut, I, I know he's not taking shortcuts on the other end. So I just, it just fuels me right away instantly to get up, get to the gym, get the work in regardless, you know, and, uh, I needed this type of opponent to really bring the absolute best out of me. So, yeah, as far as like fight specific, there's not too much crazy I'm gonna change from from me. A um, little bit of stuff I gotta work on that I, I think I'll see, but mostly just you know making sure I'm showing up in absolute best shape and sharp and everything on point. So, dude, you actually have, have forced me to uh, move up a couple questions, and I'm gonna go oh. back because <laughs> you, you referenced um, kind of preparing for him specifically and what you think about for Aaron Pico. So, your opponent, Aaron Pico, obviously he's had a lot of press coverage since entering the uh, professional ranks of MMA. He's kind of been pushed as a future star, you know, by Bellator from the very beginning. I, I got, I just kind of want to know like what you think of when you think of him and when you think of the matchup. Uh, whether it's you know the analytics that you've gone over in your training and pr- preparation for it, or just what you, kind of are your overall feelings about Aaron Pico, the fighter? We're not talking about anything personality-wise, just as a fighter and how you guys match up. Yeah, I think uh, as a fighter, he's phenomenal. You know, he's he's gotten the the recognition and the the put the media push from Bellator and everything like that for a reason. You know, he's he's credentialed outside of MMA, which coming into MMA obviously brings it a, a lot of holds a lot of weight, you know, and in his wrestling and his boxing and whatnot. And he's delivered in a lot of his fights. You know, he, he's an exciting guy to watch. He's, he's uh fan friendly, like his style is, it's, it's fun. And so I, I get where all the, the hype is coming from, but I also know this is a fight and he's in, in for the, the toughest fight of his d- date too. You know, if you look at his career or his, his record, you know, he's, 
blowing through these guys that he should be. You know, they're 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 also guys on on the come up, and you know have. And then when he has fought the top guys, he's he stumbled a little bit. Obviously, yeah. he's been clipped. Um, I don't think that's you can't really hold that against him. You know, that can happen to anybody, including myself. I've I've been clipped. You know, everybody has. It's MMA. It's small gloves. It's two grown men. You know, slinging leather. So it sure. it can happen. But I mean, if you look right down to his record as a corn dissected a little bit, you know, I think he should be doing this to the guys that he's been doing it to, you know, and uh, I think I'm his next big step up again after he, uh, they built him kind of back up again for this. And I'm excited, you know, I'll play a little bit of spoiler. And this is the third top five guy I fought, you know, from Borgs to Sanchez to, to Pico now. And that uh, just shows the, the caliber in my resume speaks for itself, you know, and I'm, I'm excited, you know, once I get this W, there's not many guys ahead of me, you know, in, into that title shot. So uh, I think this this win puts me in an absolutely fantastic position. And that's just even more fuel to my fire. You know, this is fucking amazing because you, you are literally setting up my, my next I, question every time. Am I jumping around eight, nine, <laughs> and ten right away? Or it's almost as if, no, no, no. I'm just saying, it's almost as if you, you know, like I gave you the questions before him, which I assure everybody I never do that for nah, the fighters. Nah. But it's almost like I'm perfectly, this is a fucking amazing setup. So. You, you brought up your resume, dude. You've got wins in the UFC, Brave, the PFL, and Bellator. So you've been there. You've done that. You've got the T-shirt. You've been under all of the brightest and bright lights and been successful. Your experience, I think, kind of getting back to this upcoming fight, your experience, I think, is a huge factor that I haven't heard talked about by anybody else. hasn't really been brought up. The fact that you've been that many places, fought in those many different uh, promotions against that kind of caliber of fighter. And again, you're in your 20th pro fight, your 21st. This is going to be your 21st yeah, pro fight. Yeah. Your experience is, is is a whole additional career ahead of his right now. I feel like you've got to know that this experience is a major factor or a major tool in your arsenal going into this fight. Don't you agree? Absolutely. You know, and I think uh, that's one thing that separates us is the stages. I mean, he's he's been gro- groomed and brought up in Bellator, so he's He's not a not new to the bright lights, but just in general of, of level of competition, you know, quality of opponents, it, it's huge, you know, being tested in there and and being able to to deal with whatever has to come. And he's a he's a fighter who's always been uh, the hammer, I would say, you know, he's always pushing forward. He's always pressure and he's always trying to be the power shot guy. And, and so we haven't really seen much more of him on his back or him defending him having to come over adversity and any of that kind of stuff you haven't really seen and i think uh that's what we have to kind of exploit a bit being an extreme couture just i I love the fact that we have you know so many amazing gyms across the country and around the world really but specifically to our to the country there are so many great gyms around and i love hearing about how certain fighters from pretty far away made it down to there. So how does a kid from Surrey, BC make his way to uh, extreme couture? Uh, well, actually, yeah, it was, I was in the UFC and they had just opened up the UFC performance Institute. And so they were inviting everybody. This is like back in 2017 when it was just first opened and I was part of the UFC roster and they were, they were paying for flights and flying everyone for a retreat for a weekend. And so I flew in for the re- the retreat and I actually stayed if, just because I, the PI was opening, like week went in the Friday to Sunday and the PI was opening as of Monday. So I stayed a few extra days 
And so I was one of the very first people in the Performance Institute as an athlete using the, the facility, the PT, the, the cages upstairs and whatnot and everything like that. And I kind of just fell in love with it and fell in love with the, the weather out here, the vibe, like the fight city. Everything's very close. It's not like in, in Canada where you're driving all over the place and commuting and different gyms ever in different cities. Um, everything was pretty close here. And then I, I stopped in at Extreme Couture and connected with, with Eric, Coach Eric, who was, who was there at the time and holding pads for me and uh, jumped into the pro class with Dennis Davis and just I, I felt right at home instantly and I just I, I knew that this was kind of going to be my new home but uh I was still splitting my time half and half you know I'd do a lot of bulk of my camps out here and then I would go home in between and for a few weeks during my training camps I'd be back in Canada just because it was comfortable and that's where I was rooted um and just as the fight started going I was spending more and more time down here just because of the quality of training and then once the pandemic hit it was it was just too hard to get over that border constantly like I would do. Like I would fly into Bellingham and drive over the border, fly in on a Thursday, fly back on a Sunday to be able to get my full training weekend, you know, and I just couldn't do that anymore. Right. So I uh, pretty much just made the commitment, you know, packed everything up in BC. I'd done the two-week quarantine too many times, <laughs> you know. So yeah, like, dude. It's a gong show over there. So I just packed up my dogs and everything in my car and just, hit the road and uh, drove down here, got a lease and rented my own spot and the rest is history. Now I, I'm a, a resident here, you know, and that's, this is home for, for the foreseeable future. That's fantastic, dude. So the, obviously the commitment to fighting has been there. It's going to continue there for, you know, for a very long time, but I love asking this question. I just kind of started asking this maybe five or six uh, shows ago. I, and, and I've really been kind of fascinated with some of these answers. So you've been in the fight game for a long time. Like you said, you start, you had your, you know, fighting at 16. Um, But I'm sure, you know, we all think about other career things that maybe we would have been interested in or maybe for our post-fight career. Mm. If you had to like think of or guess, but maybe something else that you would be doing if you weren't fighting, what kind of career do you think you'd be doing, man? Honestly, yeah, because I was was a fighter right out of high school. You know, like I was turned pro, moved to Thailand for a year. And I was right out of high school, so I've never really like explored other careers. Um, but I, my dad was a plumber, and I did apprentice under him as like a part-time thing when I was, you know, on the regional circuit. And I enjoyed it. I honestly, I really liked plumbing, uh, residential, like brand new, not service calls, sure. not plunging your toilets, none of that. Sure. I like, you know, like plumbing houses from from the ground up, and. I enjoyed it. You know, I like the the mathematics and the brain space behind all the water lines and whatnot. It's not just, you know, you shoveling it for eight hours a day type right. thing. So I, I, I did enjoy that. But also, I knew right away when I started, I wasn't going to really be in the trades for my whole life. You know, that's not something I want to do as my body starts to get older. And <laughs> MMA is not much better, you know. So, <laughs> I was, I, to me, I would love like some sort of of desk job you know i spend my entire life you know, either working outside or training every day two times a day and whatnot i, I would kind of be nice to you know put a put on a suit and tie and just sit at a cubicle i mean that would probably get old within a year but that's just kind of the avenue i would allow, i would have uh liked to do it to be able to you know train be in the office during the day and then go do jiu-jitsu as like a hobby in the evening or whatnot even if, once I'm retired, you know, I could see myself doing something like that. You know, I uh, 
I, I, my mom was an accountant and, or is an accountant and, uh, has helped me with my taxes. So I do all my own filing my own taxes and I enjoy that as well. I know just little stuff that, you know, you got to use your brain for is it's fun to me. So, um, yeah, either accounting or plumbing would be the other two avenues. Hot damn. I'm so glad I asked these questions, man. That's so much fucking fun. I love it. Yeah, I yeah. love that, dude. I love those two answers. And that's, yeah, that's amazing, yeah. bro. It's just a little uh, different outside of the gym stuff, but I yeah, for, sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Of, of being a pro athlete. Absolutely, dude. And you just kind of prefaced a little bit uh, the next question, like, you know, away from training and away from the fight world, what are some things that, you know, JBC likes to do for fun, bro? Man, yeah, it's uh, I've pretty much just been obsessed with this game. You know, I, I love I love the sport of it. I know even when I'm going without fights, I'm trying to compete in jiu-jitsu and running triathlons, running half marathons. Like, I'm, I'm just I, – I, I eat, sleep, and breathe being a pro athlete, you know, and but on my my downtime, I probably you know I, I like to do some hikes, and I got two dogs that I I love, and take them out and hang out with them, and I love my my Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Between training session routines and then uh, big like Netflix and TV, sh- just chilling. You know, I'm not a I'm not too much of an out going crazy type bad motherfucker. Cowboy Cerrone riding right. <laughs> like that. You know, I enjoy, yeah, just hiking and, and chilling for the most part. Now, I'm going to give you a bonus one because you brought up TV shows and whatnot. Now, being a Surrey, B.C. native. Yes, sir. You tell me tell me you're, you're into Letterkenny. Tell me you've seen it. Tell me you've enjoyed <laughs> it's it. It's funny. Tell me I about have, your Letterkenny. I have. I, I had to because I was getting – it's funny enough when I came down here – in Vegas, I was getting so many references, and people are like, "Oh, Letterkenny," and I was like, "What?" Like, I don't know. And I, I've been like shamed into it so many times. They're like, "Oh, you're Canadian, you haven't." So I, I had to tune in and just to kind of catch up. And it's, it's awesome, man. It's hilarious. Uh, they're coming out with a with a new show just based on Shorzy, so it's going to be Shorzy and hockey, like no the second show. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I just saw the commercial for it. It looks fucking amazing. So yeah, anytime I've got a Canadian on, I gotta talk Letterkenny because yeah. to me, it's just it's the funniest show I've seen in many many years, and I love it. So yeah. awesome, bro. So uh, <laughs> so Jeremy, the, the ninth round rhino is a is a fan favorite, and that's the food question. Now the question is posed to you as as such: You've already had your fight. You've already you know been cutting down for all these weeks. You've been really being strict on your diet but now it's time to indulge now it's time to get into like your most favorite foods or whatever you've been craving that you've been kind of depriving yourself of for weeks and weeks and weeks post fight post win hanging out with the friends of the family what are you getting and where are you getting it from oh man i'm i'm a big pizza guy because i'd cut that completely out of my diet and i'm a burger and fries guy like i'm very basic i don't like going too crazy but for me i i yeah, it's hard. There's a lot of good eateries out here in, in Vegas, like burger joints and stuff like that. There's a place called Fuku Burger, and it is like I, ha- I can't go near it when I'm in fight camp just because they're so pretty big and greasy and, and savage. So I, I usually will have to hit that after. Once I get back into town after a fight, you know, you get a few beers burger fries and i'm set you know i'm easy you know that's my kind of thing and then I'm, I'm a big donut guy too you know my my wife loves donuts i didn't really care for them too much 
until uh, she's she's always bringing them around and she loves them. So then I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm adopted into the donut thing too. So well, it, it, burger, fries, beer, and donuts. You know, dude, I, there's cool. nothing wrong with anything you just said. Nothing wrong at all. I love all those. <laughs> oh yeah, everyone so, should. Yeah. yeah, dude. So, Jeremy, we've actually worked our way into the tenth round, which is the easiest one of them all. Just okay. share your social medias with everybody, dude. So, everybody, the Rhino Gang, and everybody who right else on. is listening, we can all follow along, keep tabs on your career moving forward, and I'll get on the JBC bandwagon, bro. So, just share your social medias with us. My man. Uh, so, Twitter is Jeremy Kennedy WC, and my Instagram is Jeremy Kennedy one forty five. And Instagram's mostly where I post all my stuff. It's where I'm most active and engaging and whatnot so if you definitely want to to follow along definitely do uh instagram uh, hell yeah dudes so we got our twitter and our instagram all switched up all switched up and uh ladies and gentlemen seriously april 15th bellator 277 you are not going to want to miss jeremy jbc kennedy and his fight with aaron pico in the bellator featherweight division it's going to be a banger i can't wait for it jeremy thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us to go 10 rounds a day and we really really appreciate you dude of course man thanks for having me this is Jeremy JVC Kennedy, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Jeremy, thank you so much, my dude, and really, best of luck, best of skill. We can't wait to watch you. Can't wait to watch you fight Aaron Pico uh, coming up next month. That's going to be such a banger of a fight. Really, really looking forward to it. And thank you for taking the time again today, my friend. So let's give our shout outs uh, and our outro to our forum contributors, Mr. B, Rage of Sweet Potato, Ashley from the Southern Little Pod, my homie, the Doc. Ty the Fly Guy from Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles Pod. Juice from Friendly Sparring Pod. The OG Jim Assoon to Dean Dog, our motorcycle riding madman. To Dee Crons from also up in Canada Way. Of course, to everybody week in and week out who supports the podcast. Thank you so very much. There's just too many to name. Of course, we want to give a shout out to the backbone of this operation. To the feature play, Andrea. To D Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. To the Einstein of graphic design, Dave Fretz. Check him out on Twitter and on Instagram, at Dave Fretz. The best in the fucking business as far as graphic design goes. I hope everybody has a wonderful week this week. Work hard. The weather's starting to get nicer, at least around here. I hope it does the same for you forever and ever. Love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Gangsta!